NovSB in Lisbon, I am Philippe Alfayat, and this is the Sustainability and Impact Global Series. From climate change to poverty, hunger, racism, or gender inequality, business are increasingly called to step up and be part of the solution. But kind words and one-off projects alone will not cut it. In this series of eight episodes, we'll do a deep dive into Africa, checking how some enterprises are serving the consumers at the bottom of the pyramid. The tools they use, the challenges they face, how they adapt their pricing, marketing, distribution to commercial reach a growing market of more than 2.5 billion people globally. I'm passionate about unleashing the power of business to solve global challenges. It has been the focus of my work across more than 35 countries in the past decades, either as an adjunct professor, entrepreneur, a consultant, or a policy advisor. And it is with the fuel from that exact passion that we put together this series, which is a collaborative effort with my talented students and great teaching team. You see, In the past two school years, a mix of students from all over the world that attended my course on leading impact enterprises in international development produced podcasts where they applied the course's learning to real enterprises. They did outstanding work, and the best six podcasts will be at the center of this series and its debates. In this episode, we'll be looking into Burkina Faso and a project named Poulet du Faso, a project that ran between 2016 to 2020, developed and designed by two multinational corporations and one foundation, where they try to improve the, the local breed quality in terms of productivity and mortality rates. There is something people love in Burkina Faso is grilled chicken. There's more demand than supply. However, the smallholder farmers that produce this chicken are not generating enough income due to the high mortality rate and low productivity of the local breed. So these organizations put together a plan, this project, Poulet du Faso, to develop a new breed that is more resilient and therefore can also improve not only income generation, but also local food security. The students interview the program manager and they come up with very interesting conclusions. One point that I was very, very interested was how they were able to generate acceptance in Burkina Faso for a new breed of chicken. And they explain in this podcast, the students explain the marketing techniques they use in terms of direct marketing, the use of uh, ambassadors to change the behaviors in terms of the consumption of chicken in Burkina Faso. They also do a critical analysis on how the impact, particularly the social impact, is being measured or not. At the end of the day, I do like the conclusions they put together. The conclusion that there is no silver bullet, but also that business have a role to play in terms of impact regarding sustainable development in Africa. They have the role to play that neither the international NGOs or governments can play. In this particular case, they'll explain why this project, although it has finished, is still impacting the market today and the lives of many smallholder farmers. But before we move to the podcast, I want to thank the work of the very talented students that put together this podcast. Alex Sivius, Anna Honk, Henry Mitchell and Charlotte Booth. I apologize if I mispronounce your names. I want to thank you 
the research and the podcast you put together. And also thank Daniela Afonso, the teaching assistant that couldn't be with us today. Let's now go to Burkina Faso and the Pule do Faso project. Hello, I'm Henry, your host. This podcast will cover the Pule do Faso project, which ran from 2016 to 2020 in Burkina Faso. The initiative was brought to life by Seva Santi Animal, a French multinational working in the animal health sector. Other key players involved were Sasso Poultry, specialists in breeding and genetics, as well as the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. But before we jump in, let's contextualize. Throughout Burkina Faso, wherever people gather, the smell of chicken being grilled over charcoal at roadside stores and local restaurants fills the air. Burkinabe consumers insist their poulet bicyclette comes from traditional local breeds. Intensively reared broilers simply don't have the same appearance, taste or texture. In fact, the vast majority of Burkina's 35 million chickens are local breeds kept by small-scale farmers in small, free-reigning uh, flocks. However, there is a problem. Here to discuss this problem with me is Alexa. Hi. And Charlotte. Hi. Two of my fellow colleagues from the Leading Social Enterprises course. Thank you for joining me. So, what problem are we facing here in Burkina Faso, this country which appears to idolize the chicken? Okay, so compared to improved breeds kept in more intensive systems, local hens have much higher mortality rates, much slower growth rates, and are just generally less productive. Any chickens that can be produced, however, find a ready market. Although Burkina Faso is one of the world's poorest countries, the demand for boulet bicyclette often outstrips supply. Moreover, with a growing population and climbing economic growth rates, the demand for chicken will continue to rise as the people are lifted out of poverty. Okay, so let's break this down a little bit, just from my understanding. We have an instance where demand outstrips supply. Not only this, but also the majority of these chickens are kept by smallholder farmers. So the saver solution is really trying to focus on this area, as not only does it have the greatest societal impact, but it's also what the market is demanding, right? Yeah, so it's basically the introduction of a new breed and distribution network to the country, um, capable of providing smallholder farmers with a reduced time to market and way more resilient chicken. Um, the key here is kind of to create an interconnected nature, um, as small farmers cannot be helped without helping those around them. So from the perspective of Seva and Sasso, it is a corporate social responsibility initiative, but there is far more to it than meets the eye. Bill and Melinda Gates, um, their foundation, they clearly saw the philanthropic value of it as they invested over half a million US dollars in it. Okay, so we see that it's a CSR initiative, but who's the main beneficiary of this project, Charlotte? Well, it's not precise enough to say that they serve farmers at the bottom of the pyramid. Farmers in Burkina Faso can be segmented and SEVA really tries to create value for different segments along the whole value chain. The smallholder farmers account for 70% of the national poultry production. However, they still use traditional methods and just have limited technical competencies and resources at hand. This is why SEVA works for small commercial farmers and independent farmers to rear the chicken at the beginning in their most vulnerable and risky period before providing it to the smallholder farmers. 
Overall, the SEVA model creates a complementary source of income, increases local livelihoods, and ultimately improves national food security. So maybe we could elaborate a bit further on how this value chain is set up to bring chicken to all these different beneficiaries that SEVA is trying to help. The main objective is to connect the fragmented players explained by Charlotte. The connecting systems can basically be broken down into a few components. Firstly, the selection. So they help build a selection center where the best young local cockerels and hens are carefully chosen from the village flocks and then they're reared. The center is run by locals, but SEVA provides the screening processes based on health and productivity of the chicken to select the best ones for the project. And then the best chickens are crossbred with the French Sacco hens and vaccinated. And this is where the SAVERS expertise comes into its own, right? Providing protection against Newcastle disease as well as infectious bronchitis. Is, is that right? Yeah, exactly. And after that, um, they are reared. So the crossbred and vaccinated chickens, the Paletofaso, are supplied to the mother units. And during this time, they receive further vaccinations and the unique identification tax, which are especially important to create trust along the entire value chain. Um, the 40-day-old resistant chickens are then sold to the finishing units, so the smallholder farmers, and then they are grown to slaughter weight. After that, they're picked up by local ambassadors, which sell the chickens to wholesalers and restaurants. Those Poulet du Faso ambassadors are actually the most important component of the whole value chain from my point of view. They are the oil that keeps the chain moving. They help sensitizing local farmers, conduct farm visits and connect them to the market. So this sounds like a very integrated and multifaceted model, but is it really creating an impact and you know, how are they measuring this impact? That's a very important question, Henry. Over the five years time period of the project, it has achieved outstanding results with regards to increased productivity in the chicken farming. To give you a better idea of the scale of the operations, approximately 1,000 farmers in Burkina Faso have multiplied their productivity by 100. However, when it comes to measuring social impact, there are basically no metrics in place. It's quite surprising that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation just requires an annual progress report and that those KPIs are only tied to the improvements in the new chicken breed, especially considering that it's in CSR project. Even though it's not communicated, the fact that the project has already generated 3 million US dollar in revenue shows a potential improvement in livelihoods along the value chain. So this model clearly shows the innovative prowess of the project and you know, the resources that multinational corporations possess. But have they faced any tensions or challenges along the way? Yeah, I mean, being a multinational corporation, they obviously have many advantages over smaller venture, ventures as multinationals have far better access to resources, networks and key partners. And by utilizing their existing knowledge and capabilities and relationships, it becomes easier to implement innovations at the bottom of the pyramid and establish networks and infrastructures. In general, I'd say that the basement of resources facilitates the scalability and implementation of models at the bottom of the pyramid, and their leverage over local governments is far larger too. Yeah, but managing this network really hasn't been easy. Um, Let's introduce Marie Ducroitois, 
who is the project manager of Poulet de Faso for Save Santi Anima. The, the word that goes on at, at a hatch tree is very technical. So they yeah. obviously have a, a managing uh, director who is usually a, a vet because it's very important to have your breeder flocks in the best health. During um, the project, the, the vets changed five times. Okay. So it was very difficult. And, and also the, the hatch tree staff was always constantly changing on a regular basis. It made things very difficult because we would train the people, mm -hmm. uh, give them all of the information, train them on how to fill in, you know, the, the data sheet for collecting the data on the on the on the egg production and, and the performance of the hatchery, and then that person would leave, and all of a sudden we wouldn't have any data or any information. This is where the multinational and all its structures and monitoring processes really meets the end of the road. Mary just described there was a clear tension and misalignment about choosing which farmer to sell to. There is a trade-off between choosing to work with smallholder farmers and thereby increasing social impact versus working with larger farmers and obviously this is much more easier to manage. And this leads to a case of missed opportunities for social impact. And this really comes back to the point about leadership. The disinterest in measuring social impact means that there's a lack of incentive to change the situation. And it generally underlines the importance of aligning uh, on common objectives and performance systems, as well as the need for an integrative approach by SAVER. Well, that's a very interesting point, Henry. I would really like to go back to this point of innovation, though. The similarity to the Poulet du Faso, to the Poulet Bicyclette, it has been one of the successes of its popularity amongst locals. Yeah, you're completely right, Charlotte. Um, and this has been great success. The bird looks pretty much identical to the Poulet du Bicyclette and offers the same dark-colored meat that consumers are looking for and crave. But we also have to pay attention to the fact that Saver has done a lot of marketing around this. And this is increase the acceptance and awareness of the bird. For example, in terms of communication, they've had ambassadors going into local villages um, who have sensitized people to becoming mother units. In traceability, uh, they've made sure that the birds are tagged, so the meat is credible, similar to the Labral Rouge model in France. And also, they've allowed customers to taste their product through uh, projects like in uh, Ugadagu, where they had the Festa Grill. It's interesting to mention, though, that the project did face initial resistance from the Ministry of Livestock, putting its license at, uh, to operate at risk even. The ministry believed that the new breed was a threat to the traditional breed, as it was eroding local Burkinaba genetics and polluting the pure line of Poulet Bicyclette. It is expe uh, expected that this reaction, however, is more related to the interest in receiving funding rather than the actual crossbreeding issue. And as explained by Marie, it is impossible to conclude that the project erodes local genetics. Actually, Seva built um, selection centers to preserve and improve the original chicken breeds. And furthermore, Poulet de Faso accounts for 5% only of the total national chicken production and helps satisfy previously unserved demand. But this resistance from the local authorities was not the only one experienced by the project, Alexa. In fact, the project managers had quite a hard time to get mother units engaged in the system. Even though the local ambassadors have probably helped to get a closer connection to the farmers, the project failed to consider many of their underlying barriers 
barriers. Some barriers are, for example, tied to the social cultural circumstances. As you know, the Newcastle disease has resulted in a high mortality rate of the chicken. A lot of farmers have experienced sudden economic losses. This is why many farmers place greater value on crop and treat poultry production as a secondary activity. So now there comes this ambassador to their farms and tells them that the Poulet du Faso is resistant to those diseases. Why should they trust those promises? The existing fear of farmers to face the losses again will be hard to overcome and for sure it requires more than just promoting the product through words. Seva must showcase the improved productivity and talk to the local farmers to understand their fears and realities. Yeah, you have a point in that. And there are also more technical constraints to the development as well. So affordability is questionable as maintaining larger flocks um, implies higher costs, with, which is especially hard for smallholder farmers that often struggle to afford this. But also for mother units, um, the availability and affordability can be tricky as they need to have the facilities and sufficient cash before entering this venture. Seva has already uh, realized that the access to credit often constrains the expansion of the enterprise. However, just providing subsidies is not enough. Seva should try to focus on making resources like funds and feed more accessible, as well as training farmers. But yes, there is no doubt they set high goals in trying to modify the behavior of the mother units and finishing units. Well, Alexa, Charlotte, thank you. This has been a very fruitful discussion. But as we can see, there's no silver bullet to these types of problems. We'd like to leave the viewers on a question. Do you believe that multinational corporations could be more effective at the bottom of the pyramid than other actors such as governments or NGOs? We leave you with Marie and her final comment. Even though we've not just haven't generated business, we've created local businesses in Burkina Faso that will carry on and because it's profitable and financially sustainable this is why it's sustainable because they don't need external funding to keep going. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sustainability and Impact Global series. Please follow this podcast on Spotify and on Nova's SB platform Road to Play and be part of this community working to unleash the power of business to solve global challenges one day at a time.